0: This week on Physically Spiritual, I have the honor to be joined by Lorraine Bennett as we discuss her new book, The Little Way of Living with Less. Physically Spiritual is my attempt to harmonize and share what I've discovered. As I've sought to live healthier, it revolutionized my spiritual life. I'm captivated by discovering the truth about my body and how it relates to my relationship with God. I'm your host, Andrew Reinhardt. This week, like I said, I have the honor to be joined by Lorraine Bennett, Lorraine has a master's degree in philosophy and has co-authored six books with her husband, especially on uh, the temperament that God gave you. She has one book also she wrote on her own, A Year of Grace, 365 Reflections for Caregivers. Uh, She created a brand new game, Know Thyself, a game of temperaments. Be great to play with your kids. Uh, The Bennetts reside in Northern Virginia and have been married for 45 years. They have four adult children and eight grandchildren. Welcome to the show, Lorraine.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah, I, one, I, I love this book. It just came out recently. There'll be links in the show notes for everyone to find it, but Sophia Institute Press, if anyone wants to go get it right now before we even start talking. Uh, and in this book, it's a beautiful, I think a beautiful idea of how you put these ideas together. It's really, you might think of it as a Catholic guide to minimalism, pulling <laughs> in the wisdom of Teresa of Lisieux but also really a, a rich emphasis on that authentic minimalism is living the virtues that our mm-hmm. faith proposes to us. Um, and as I was reading this book, I was just struck by the timeliness of it all. Uh, last season I had a, an episode I did on simplicity and mm. living simplicity and how just being in a hurry and the complexity of life contributes to uh, like a degradation in people's mental health, but also making it difficult to really imitate Christ who frankly, was really simple and wasn't in a hurry and, you know, right. didn't live this lifestyle that we're all so tied up to in our culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, so reading it, and I, I always like to start by asking people a little bit about their story, uh, because I think mission and ministry and, and feeling the Lord's call in our life always comes out of the context. So as I was reading the book, I was just curious, like what in your life brought you to the point of wanting to share this with the church?
1: great question <laughs> and uh you know <clears throat> the immediate impetus actually uh, what is our our own story um but we were like for 20 years we were living in your typical suburban mcMansion way far away from work and we raised our four kids there and um, you know and we and then they they've grown up and they leave home and we're sitting in this, giant 4,000 square foot. place, And my husband says to me, he goes, you know, he goes, we are actually living in only 10% of this house. And yet we have all these rooms to clean and we have all the repairs to do. We have, you know, constant repairs. It's like a money pit really. And, and also it's just a drain on your time. And, um, and, he was saying, he goes, you know, it's really only, it's really a a giant storage unit for our kids stuff (laughs) because they had all their stuff is in our house now and they don't, they don't want to get rid of it. Well, they want us to take care of it though, but they don't want to have it themselves either in their house. So, (laughs) so we're like, well, maybe we should just, you know, downsize. We should kind of jump on that train that is, is rather popular right now. Minimalism, as you mentioned, minimalism, downsizing, decluttering, the whole thing. And, uh, you know, so so we did, we started that process and it turns out it's really hard. It's mm-hmm. actually very, very difficult to detach from all these material things. And that's what brought me to the, the thought, you know, I wonder what the virtues underlying this uh, this whole process. What are the virtues involved here? And, you know, and that, of course, brought me to St. Therese, um, because, of course, she has these beautiful virtues that she practiced. And these, some of the virtues that we talk about, or that I talk about in the book, um, you know, are practiced by by her to a heroic degree. Um, but that was kind of the, the immediate uh, impetus. And then we had friends who said, well, I would like to do this too, but I don't know how, or I don't know where to start. And so that's kind of sharing our story, but also, you know, uh, drawing on the wisdom of St. Therese, who is a modern saint.
0: Yeah, the the format of the book, I think, is great because each chapter, you kind you kind of start almost like each chapter focuses on a certain virtue or, yeah. or theme. And, and so it begins mm-hmm. with an explanation. But then you have a section at the end of the chapter with uh, mm-hmm. like a little bit of, bit of Therese's story and some of Therese's mm-hmm. teaching. Yep. And then after that, you end it with a little tip from like a professional organizer. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> uh, professional organizer, since I'm not, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. so I love that you start with the church's rich philosophy and theology, insights from science, mm-hmm. kind of exploring the theme. Then you're giving the example of a life of a saint. Some people might say like, Teresa of Lisieux, really? Like she lived in a cloistered monastery. What does she have to teach us about right. what to do with our homes? Um,
1: well, Great question.
0: Yeah. And then yeah. but then the, the tip of the organizer always kinda like lands the plane in a really practical way too. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. So I guess with that that question of like what does Therese really have to teach us about how we live today?
1: Yeah. It's a, that's a great question. Great question. Um well she is a modern saint. So mm. that's that's one thing. In fact, yeah, Pope Pius the Tenth called her the greatest uh, modern saints. And um she was went. When she was born, she was actually living in a very i would say rather well to do um middle class you know not she wasn't nobility but she was she they were well off yeah. um she even had you know she had a servant um and she was raised in this way so she had she had beautiful things surrounding her mm-hmm. she had she lived in a beautiful place and um and she understood the allure of material things because she does comment on that throughout in several places in the story of a soul, um, where she, even at a very young age, of course, took me, you know, years and years, I'm still clinging to material things, but she, at such a young age, you know, 10 to 14 years old, she, she realizes that she is called to, um, to, to be a great saint. And she, she had a greater calling than to be, um, captivated by the beautiful things around her. And she was well aware too of modern inventions. You know, she was, she was uh, really a fascinating personality. And, um, and she also had, you know, some serious uh, challenges as a young child as well, but she always remained focused um, on the love of God that she wanted to love God. She wanted to become a saint, she wanted to. She wanted to enter uh, Carmel at a very young age, at yeah. age of fifteen, which was actually not allowed at the time, and uh, she had to try to get permission. So she was. She went to the bishop. She went to various people, but she she actually went also to the Pope, and she she kind of like blurted out her her desire to enter Carmel at fifteen, and he said, "Well, you know, you have to be obedient." and um she just like she said but please if you say holy father that i can do it then they will let me you know and they had to like drag her away they had to pick her up and take her out she was she was a strong-willed saint and we Mm -hmm. i don't think we always realize that because she you know she wrote at a time it's like you know some rather flowery, like she, lots of flowers and, and her metaphors, you know, but yeah. she was, uh, she was smart. She was very smart and she was very strong-willed.
0: Yeah. I think this is so important because minimalism really only goes like surface deep.
1: Right. Exactly. You know, it's
0: like the pictures mm-hmm. on Instagram. It's the, mm-hmm. it's, it's like setting up that moment, but what the church is inviting right. us to is like to the depths of our soul. Right. So like exactly what simplicity looks like for that, sort of wealthier young woman who has a servant Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. versus, um, you know, when she's then in a convent looked really different. Like we have to wrestle with the fact that, that the church has canonized Kings Mm -hmm. and has canonized people who are wealthy. So, so simplicity doesn't look the same for everyone. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's really an invitation to how do we apply this to our life?
1: Right. And all these virtues that she practiced um, in as part of her little way, um, Mm -hmm. for example, detachment, uh, trust, charity, simplicity, as you said, poverty of spirit and gratitude and Mm -hmm. poverty of spirit is one of the the big ones. And she said she had a a quote, she said, um, the only good thing is to love God with all one's heart and to be poor in spirit. And so it's like, what does that even mean? What is poor in spirit? And I think that's where we really see like, uh, how we in this day and age can, can, um, practice the virtues that she is talking about because, um, we aren't necessarily called to be, you know, running around ragged and barefoot, you know, like, yeah. especially if you have, you have a family, you have to take care of your family, uh, you want, to, to dress them well, you know, and, and these things. So it's, it's that inner detachment from the material things that we have to strive for. And um, we, can't, we have to understand how to prioritize. We need to always have God as number one in mm-hmm. our lives, which she, of course, practiced um, to perfection.
0: Yeah, to, to build on that, what, what really came through to me in your story and also in the book is how all this is really driven by vocation. Like I think what our, our culture presents to us is sort of get what you want. The idea mm. is mm-hmm. um, that, that minimalism is sort of, you know, having that, that chic look, that, that classic, yeah. that design, that whatever, but mm-hmm. you're still getting whatever you want. Right? It's just right. getting it exactly. in a more minimal way.
1: In a more minimal way. You're right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but what we're invited to is that what we have is actually driven by our vocation, mm-hmm.
1: by the calling
0: that the Lord has put into your mm-hmm. life. Right. It's like what you and your husband's home looked like when you're raising your children is different than mm-hmm. what it looks like now as your children are adults. That's right. What, what Therese had when she was a young girl being raised by an upper middle class family is different than what she was in the convent. Mm-hmm. So exactly. so much of this is um, is our, our ownership, our possession of things is guided by the calling the Lord put on our life versus like our wants, like our desires, mm-hmm. our passions.
1: Exactly. Uh, so true. And it's so interesting, um, speaking about St. Therese and her, the, the callings that she felt because it's so interesting that she writes that she was, she wanted, she had these desires in her. She said she wanted to be a warrior. She wanted to be a priest. She wanted to be a missionary. She wanted to be a martyr. She wanted to be a doctor of the church. She mentioned that too. But, she was like, How can I have all these desires? You know, are they must be given to me by God? Well, how am I gonna reconcile these longings? And and she said, Well, the, at, at, at the root of all vocations is love. And that is the vocation that we are all called to. I mean, whether we are, you know, nuns or priests or or religious or or single or married and with a family at the root of it it's all love so we are called to love and so how are we going to love those in our lives th- that god has given us and um in creating a home is part of that mm-hmm. you know creating yeah. a home that is loving and that honors god first
0: um yeah, those are all parts of it a lot of what i um focus on on the show is really the where there's harmony between what is discovered through science and then also mm. what the gospel's proposing to us. Yeah. And, and as I was reading the book, this quote on page 102 just like stood out to me. You say, there's actual neuroscientific reason for this anxiety. Mm-hmm. When the eye sees clutter, the mind sees a problem to be solved. Where does everything go? Our amygdala immediately goes into a fight or flight mode causing anxiety. But when the space is clear and tidy and contains only the necessary tools, we feel more focused and sharper. And and as I read this, it it just um, it resonated with so much of one of my experience, but also what I've come to understand through my own study, that this this amygdala, this kind of mm-hmm. part of the brain that's really designed to keep us safe, to keep us um, protected, that fight flight kind of response, mm-hmm. that that when we're in an environment where that that's that's cluttered that's messy that we're always a little bit aroused we're always a little bit in that sympathetic charge that mm-hmm. um that feeling a little insecure a little uneasy um i was just wondering hearing that back now from your own book if you would talk some about like your own experience with that and maybe oh what God. it's been like now that you and your husband have gone through this journey together
1: yeah well it I mean I absolutely experienced that um with clutter and and the neuroscience kind of explained it to me but yeah. if you think about it, if you even extrapolate it to the point of um, how much stuff we are all surrounded with and even if it's not let's say you clear off your your desk that you're working on okay yeah. fine but All the, this, you know, the cell phone, all the apps and all the, the Instagram, the social media, the, the, all the things around the fact that you can, you know, order something off Amazon and just have it right there in one click. And, uh, in our abundance of stuff is actually creating anxiety on a massive scale. I Mm. think in, in our society, I think that's why, despite all our wealth in this country, why are people less happy now? why are, why, why is there more anxiety? You know, and of course there was COVID, you know, and that, that of course contributed, but people are, you know, there's increase in suicide. Mental health clinics are just packed. I mean, and Catholic mental health clinics as well. Like my husband is a Catholic therapist and uh, my daughter is a Catholic psychotherapist as well. (laughs) And, you know, there, she has a waiting list. I, I mean, so it's Catholics and non-Catholics. We're all, what is it about our world that is causing this anxiety? Mm-hmm. And I think I think some of it is this: the, the fact that we so easily become attached to mm-hmm. so many things. We don't even realize it, how we become attached. You know, it's just like Gollum in the Lord of the Rings, you know, with the ring he's holding on to, you know, and then it starts to possess him. So it's like our possessions mm-hmm. begin to possess us. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that. I, um, honestly, I wrestled with this idea a little bit. One of the things that, that I thought, Mm -hmm. um, maybe didn't make sense is like people oftentimes will experience, um, relaxation in nature Mm -hmm. or like people do even do like nature bathing. They'll call it where they go out to like, you know, de-stress or to deal with trauma or something. They go into a natural environment. Mm -hmm. And I grew up, uh, my parents' house had a couple acres of woods behind it. So I grew up like out in the woods. Mm. And frankly, nothing's more cluttered than a forest. <laughs> you know, there's leaves, there's branches, it's busy there's, when the wind blows through. But it's kind of interesting that in, like in a natural environment, there's something about the complexity and the quote unquote clutter of it that we can neurologically rest in. Right. But in like a synthetic environment,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, there's something about the clutter that causes us Unease, yeah. Um, and as I've contemplated that a bit, um, I'm going to bounce this off. If, as I, cont- I think it comes down to a fancy Catholic word of teleology, or mm-hmm. like, or like the end yeah. or the purpose of things. Because mm-hmm. nature is self organizing, right? God's mm-hmm. created those things with mm-hmm. their own internal logic. So when a branch grows in a certain direction, mm-hmm. it's because it's trying to get more sunlight or something. Mm-hmm. But scientists have discovered even in the complexity of a leaf or something, there's all these Different mathematical ratios and and things that nature seems to be following underneath the surface. So it's like it's like nature follows its own end and has its own design. But in our homes, when everything's a mess, there's no teleology. There's no end to it. There's no logic to it. There's no design to it or purpose. And and that really came out in the book. That part of this is that that everything that you have, you have a reason for having it,
1: Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's in a
0: place that it makes sense for its purpose.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and so that kind of like unlocked that apparent contradiction for me a little bit. Wow.
1: Yeah. I love your analysis of it though. Cause I hadn't thought of nature. I'd never thought of nature as being cluttered. So I didn't yeah. have that moment where like, what, you know, what what's this all about? Yeah. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right about the purpose and the structure of everything is ordered properly. Yeah. And the problem with, uh, once we enter into things with our original sin and everything, <laughs> so we cause yeah. disorder, you know, mm-hmm. we create chaos ourselves. It's, there's no chaos. God is not chaotic. You know, mm-hmm. God came in to dispel the chaos. Um, well, I mean, he created order. And I mean, his, it's fascinating to think that God created all this. Like, you know, the fact that you can discover the, the, the mathematical principles, you know, underlying all these, you know, things of nature is just, like, mind-blowing, actually. Yeah. You know, I, I'm surprised not everybody doesn't believe in God who, you know, who've discovered these things, you know. But,
0: yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. and as, you, as you talked about, um, about that, that I, idea of, of sin-causing disorder, it just mm-hmm. struck me that part of Adam and Eve's mission in the garden was stewardship.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right, they they were supposed to to till the garden and and by their intervention actually make nature more fruitful than right. just how it would have been if mm-hmm. it would have just grown wild, so to speak. And uh, it just strikes me that like in our homes we're exercising a kind of stewardship in a very particular way, and it's a stewardship where where everything has an, an end that transcends myself. Mm-hmm. Right. What what our culture proposes to us is the reason why you get something is because you want something. <laughs> Mm-hmm. What our church proposes to us is the reason why you have something is because it's for the kingdom, it's for others, it's for your vocation, it's for mission. Right. Um, so that that idea of of stewardship, I think, is really rich in this, mm-hmm. of how does a Catholic really live in this place of simplicity.
1: Right, right. Right. And- and that's the question. And uh, one of the chapters is on order, and how can we order our homes, um, especially if you're you, you have a young family. And so this book is not just for people like uh, you know my husband and I, who you know our kids are grown and left home, but it's it's also for people who are dealing with you know they have little kids at home and what kind of order and how can I declutter, you know, when I've got li- little kids are like, you know, scattering clutter everywhere, you know, mm-hmm. um, but you know, what are the things that we can do, um, to order our homes so that they are properly ordered with the, the end in mind that you're, you're mentioning to serve others, to, to be a place of light refreshment and peace, you know, that's what we want for our homes. And, um, you know, and, and there's things that we can all do that, it, you know, if you're, in, in the middle with little kids, um, teaching the small children, how to pick their things up and put them away. You know, that's a small Mm -hmm. task where they learn about, they start to learn about order. And
0: yeah, this has been very timely for me. My wife and I had our first son last year. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so my parents are, are, are actually literally decluttering their house into our house right now. So like every time they visit, we get another box of stuff. Um, so like we have this like inflow and then when you have kids it's like everyone wants to express their love by giving Mm -hmm. you toys Mm -hmm. so we also have like this constant influx of like toys and Mm -hmm. my wife god bless her has like a deeply franciscan spirit like she loves (laughs) she she like feeds on the teaching of the franciscan friars the renewal and so she has this like heart for simplicity Mm -hmm. Um, and also so like we're constantly like filling up boxes for the saint vincent de paul in town and Mm -hmm. So like we're trying to like match the inflow with outflow, but this Mm -hmm. book definitely came into our life at a providential time because we're on the other end of that with the kids. Yeah,
1: that's so true. Yeah, and I do describe like our daughter and son-in-law and they're they're grappling with it, and they they were very intentional about what kind of toys they allow in the house, and um, they and they also don't want it to be like a house filled with toys. It's not a house that's supposed to be a toy room. They're trying to keep in mind the purpose of the home. Mm -hmm. And so it's very interesting. It's hard to do. And our other son and daughter-in-law, and they're always going, asking their kids to, okay, let's let's go through the toys and the ones you're not playing with, let's give them a way to to other kids who don't have these toys. So they're teaching their children about charity as well. Yeah. So there's, there's so many ways that you can go about this, but it is tough. And I, I don't think it, I never would say it's easy. You know? Yeah,
0: well, toward the end of the book, I wanted to shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about gratitude.
1: Oh, yes. Because
0: toward the end of the book, it, there's a really rich section on gratitude. You say, spiritual writers and saints have known this for centuries. Mm -hmm. Yet only now contemporary psychologists are catching up with the fact that being grateful makes us feel happier. Mm -hmm. Dr. Martin Seligman, the founder and leading proponent of positive psychology, studies the science of happiness. Simple things like being thankful, expressing our gratitude to others, performing acts of kindness, and writing down things we appreciate each day are ways to increase our sense of happiness. We can consciously, intentionally choose to be grateful, no matter the circumstances and therefore increase our joy in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I read this, I couldn't think of like the scriptures. I couldn't help but think of, you know, when St. Paul says to, to be joyful always yep. and how challenging that is for believers. Um, mm-hmm. but will you talk some about like cultivating that sense of gratitude and how that has affected you?
1: Yeah. Well, actually that is St. Therese's um, it, gratitude is, is at the heart of her little way mm-hmm. Because she um, she wrote that being grateful actually draws down more graces upon us. And I think that's an incredible thing to, to meditate on because when we are grateful, God well, God blesses us with with more. It's like the 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 man who has little, little will be given to him. You know that scripture mm-hmm. passage, which is very puzzling. Well, she kind of interprets it in terms of grace. You know, yeah. and um, and when we are grateful, it's like the antidote to all this, um, the anxiety or the overconsumption mm-hmm. or the um, the envy that we sometimes experience over other other people's material things or whatever. But when we're grateful for what we have, we actually become more joyful. And then we, we also become peaceful because we're, we're stopping. We don't, then we're not constantly, you know, revved up to what else do I need? What am I lacking in? You know, what I'm, what am I missing out on or whatever it is. And so, yeah, gratitude is, is absolutely key
0: yeah and and the wisdom of I think of this from our our Catholic tradition too, because mm-hmm. coming out of classical thought, we understand that our our emotions are our sense appetites so so everything we're perceiving, hearing mm-hmm. sensing what what have you is causing a movement inside of us um mm-hmm. and it just strikes me that when when we're perceiving something with gratitude right that that gratitude is something that's going to move that sense appetite mm-hmm. right and and that's so different that Um, if, if I possess something and and I just want more, I'm not satisfied Mm -hmm. in a sense that thing becomes an obstacle to me actually receiving the more that I long for. Exactly. But if I hold something with a grateful heart, I both Mm -hmm. have it and I'm still open to what else the Lord wants to give me.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I was just reading a book that where the author, um, was saying, why do we always want to own something? Why do we want to possess mm. things? You know, in, yeah. that in and of itself is, um, prevents us from truly relishing the beauty that is around us. Mm. It's like he said, the man who doesn't possess whatever it is, um, let's say a beautiful garden or whatever, is, is then able to more readily appreciate all the beauty of nature around him. So I just thought that was an interesting thing. Like why does, I mean, I, I don't think we Catholics would never say it's wrong to possess things, but it's just that, that in the possession, we tend to so easily slip into becoming overly attached and then disordering our priorities and then not having God as the primary attachment that we are attached to. Yeah. Um, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, let's say there's somebody listening right now mm-hmm. and they have that feeling like, like you expressed earlier, that they don't possess their things. They feel like their things possess them. Yeah. Um, Like, where do you think would be like a good starting point for them to, to well, start this process of, yeah. of this detachment, this letting go of the things so that they can be free and right. experience this gratitude?
1: Well, there's... There's two levels. There's, we want to declutter our souls as well as our homes, but, um, you know, so I think we have to work on both levels. But in terms of the practical, um, we, in, in the book, I do have the, the practical tips from the, the professional organizer who's Mm -hmm. not me. I'm not the professional. But, um, but one of the things she says is really to, um, you know, to recognize how we are attached to the things we own and, um, and that we've had, and we actually overvalue the, these things. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she suggests like, have a friend, you know, if like, if you're just filled, your house is filled with clutter or whatever, have a friend help you have the friend hold up the thing and say, do you really need this? Like, and once you've, you kind of have somebody else holding it, you're kind of like, you know, maybe I don't need it. And you can have, that's one of her tips is, uh, to kind of create a distance between ourselves and our things because some people just, it's just really hard. And I know I experienced that myself. So um holding on. That. To things.
0: That's, that's the church, you know, like we're not yeah. meant to do this on our own. It's not just right. a matter of learning more and trying harder. You know, mm-hmm. like the Lord is bringing people into our lives who are going to help set us free. I think mm-hmm. of like um, the raising of Lazarus, right? The Lord brought him back to life, but then invited the people in his life to roll away the stone and also mm-hmm. to unwrap him from what was binding him the, the burial mm-hmm. cloths mm. uh so in many ways that's kind of the image of growing in conversion and community Yes, yeah, the lord's brought us back to life in the sacraments but there's right. still all this stuff keeping us bound and clinging to us mm-hmm. and it's the other people i think the lord has brought into our life mm-hmm. so that's great like go to sunday mass this morning look around the church and ask lord who's the person here who's going to help me get free this week and invite them yeah. over for tea you're right and um <laughs> beautiful and I think that's that's so beautiful. And um, so, with that, Lorraine, thank you so much for coming on the show, for sharing this book with the church. I think you know anyone who has like an attraction to this idea of minimalism, but also want to integrate with their Catholic faith. I think mm-hmm. it's a great read. There's a lot of just like rich, good Catholic spirituality and theology in the book too. All the insights from Therese of Lisieux, the practicals from the organizer. And mm-hmm. then also each section ends with um, reflection questions. Mm-hmm. So if you want to do it with your small group, maybe have a, a woman's group or a men's group you want to go through the text with, it's a great tool for that too. So head over to Sophia Institute Press and get your copy, mm-hmm. links, and everything else in the show notes. With that, Lorraine, anything else you wanted to share with the audience?
1: I know that that is beautiful. I love your, I love your analysis of everything here. Um, yeah, and I just, I hope that everybody who, who buys the book can, can, uh, find a little peace in their lives. Um, feel a little de-stressed mm-hmm. by decluttering yeah. and, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's
0: it. <laughs> well, God bless everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into the show this week. Uh, join us on our, our upcoming season as we finish our series on fatherhood and then we look toward our series on food. Everyone head over to Sophie Institute Press and get a copy of the book. God bless everyone. Thank you so much for being a part of Physically Spiritual. Every moment of the show you've watched, know that I'm grateful that you've given your time to this. I'm so passionate about the message that I'm trying to share, and I'm excited about the future of the show. So thank you for every like, every view, every watch, every follow, every comment, every rating you give in the show. And a special thank you to all you that are already members of the Awaken Nation. So thanks again for supporting the show.